Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another super exciting episode of the Teamwork A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, joined by my partner in, not crime, but uh, <laughs> partner in podcasting, Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? Wonderful, Christian. Good to be with you today and more excited than ever to, to be with you with our with our guest that we'll announce shortly. Uh, I, I'm super excited for the guest. Before we before we get there, uh, you were telling me right before we joined the air that uh, you were recently down in San Diego. So what were you doing down there? Yeah, I just got back last night. I was in San Diego speaking to uh, a, a company. There's a, you know, a lot of people are familiar with peer advisory groups. Vistage is one of them. There's many. There's you know young entrepreneurs. But this, uh, I was actually working with the Vistage staff and not just the. Uh, uh, you know, groups around the country. So that was a lot of fun. It was in, in the La Jolla uh, office and it was, uh, it was beautiful. Had a great time. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And I'm glad that you're also back here in, in uh, colder climes <laughs> here in Salt Lake city. It's a little bit chillier than it was down there in sunny San Diego, but uh, very, very happy that you've returned safe and sound and extremely excited for our next guest because his message resonates with me. I'm an introvert. And I've probably been waiting for this entire show uh, for this conversation. I'm super excited. Spencer, why don't you introduce our special guest today? Absolutely. I'm going to bring him on screen while I, while I talk about him. This is Matthew Pollard. Did I say that right, Matt? <laughs> you did great. Pollard. Pollard. Let's get that right. And uh, Matthew is responsible for five multi-million dollar business success stories and all before the age of 30. So already jealous, right? I mean, his humble beginnings, uh, the adversity he faced and his epic rise to success that really show anyone with the right motivation and the right strategies can ex really achieve anything they put their mind to. He's going to demonstrate that and share that with us today. Today, Forbes calls him quote unquote, the real deal. Global gurus list him as a top 30 sales professional. Top Sales Worldwide Magazine named him a top 50 speaker. And Big Speak lists him as an international top 10 sales trainer. He, he's also the best-selling author of The Introvert's Edge book series, and that has sold over 75,000 copies. It has been translated into 16 languages. And, and Matthew, I met you at the CSP CPAE conference in Dallas in December. And uh, he was part of, I was part of his mastermind group. And I have to say, when he was giving feedback, I was like, okay, keep talking. And uh, other speakers were like, well, wait a minute. We want to, I don't want to hear from you. Let me keep talking. <laughs> right, Matthew? <laughs> keep talking because it was just so, so valuable. Welcome, Matthew. We're so glad to have you. Mate, thank you for having me. I'm ecstatic to be here. Great. So let's, uh, let, let's get right into it. So your, your first book, highly successful. And tell us why you, why'd you write it? What, what, what was the impetus behind it? What was the motivation and, and why do you think it's so successful? You know, I think it's because introverts are tired of feeling like second class citizens. I mean, the truth is we're not second class citizens. Our path to success is just different. And the whole world has been either doing one of two things saying poor little Sarah or Johnny is introverted. Let's push them to be more extroverted, to mix with other people and to follow what those extroverts do. Like that's the way that we should do it. And 
And that's just not true. But then also there's the, there was this whole load of literature out there that said, okay, poor you, you're an introvert. Let me show you how to survive in an extroverted world. And I, I believe it's an introverted world. I, I believe that we introverts have the skills to dominate in all of those so-called extroverted arenas in sales, in networking, in leadership, in really speaking from stage, everything. I mean, you were talking about peer groups just before. Um, and, you know, Vistage is a, a great group to, to share value and, and resources. I just got back from Detroit, which was much colder than where I am in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And that was a, a great peer group as well. I spoke for, for EO, which is the entrepreneurial organization. And it blows my mind how often the moment I start sharing, yeah, I, I, I cover strategies like differentiation, niche marketing, sales systemization. I speak heavily on storytelling because I believe that introverts leveraging that uh, there's a lot of science behind that which we can talk about and it gives them a lot of in a lot of ways the edge but when i start talking about my introverted journey there's a revelation for a lot of introverts that are listening because they've been told that they can't be as successful as a small business owner or they have to accept not getting that leadership role because they don't have that natural ability and for them it transforms their view of introversion because I believe that, I mean, who wants a leader that's not great at active listening and it's not great at empathy? Who wants a, to, to speak to a salesperson that doesn't have those qualities? And, you know, a good friend of mine, Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, the world's largest networking group in the world, by the way, he's another introvert. He, you know, when we started talking about the qualities that make an amazing networker, funnily enough, the qualities you'd attribute to a lot of extroverts weren't on the list. It was the qualities that introverts have that ranked really, really high. Now, that's not to say that extroverts can't learn those things, but it just shows how much we've got it wrong. We believe that gifted gab is required for these things when actually what makes us successful is actually the qualities we introverts have in spades. And I think that is what really led to my first book success because I came out and I, I have to say, I started with sales purely because I don't think I would have had the guts to say out loud that introverts make the best salespeople if it wasn't my first book. So I actually, I mean, I didn't want to write it personally. I, I started by suggesting to every other sales influencer that I knew that was introverted, I said, you need to write this book on introverted selling. I, somebody needs to, not me. And there are so many people that you will know well that are introverted that are in that top 30 list of sales professionals. But everyone said, no one's gonna buy a book on introverted selling. And I'm like, how is this possible? There are all these people that wanna create these amazing businesses that revolve around them, their family and their lives, not the other way around. And all these people that wanna succeed, maybe they don't have a qualification and wanna excel in sales because it allows them to make this great income or they wanna proceed into leadership and they wanna learn how to sell themselves. How is this group that is so, just not even heard, not going to be open to hearing about how they can sell. And for me, I just felt that that is why this book needed to be written. And, you know, it, it was proven to be so because it, it took off the moment it was released and all these other people, and this is what I'd love to say, it's, it's love to see, I should say, all of these other people that I would call titans of industry started outing themselves as introverted and they started to get angry about the fact that they felt like saying it out loud up until now was frowned upon and they felt liberated. So I feel like it's created this movement. You know, I, 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 I want to support what you're saying and, and I have seen it. I, not, I don't consider myself a, an introvert, but I feel like some of the best speakers that I know are the ones that have the ability to be thoughtful and, and are not just saying what they're thinking, what's coming out of their mouth. They're actually preparing and being 
prepared to get on stage in a thoughtful way. And they are fabulous at speakers. Also, I have a client I'll share with you that I worked on with, with sales, uh, a Merrill Lynch office at a major office. And I, uh, the, the, the managing director of the office, I said, give me your top salespeople. I want to assess all of them and see if there's any commonalities. And we, I got their top eight salespeople and every one of them had a different profile, but one of the number one salespeople had low extroversion, high conformity, low dominance. And we're, when we dug into it, we really understood the edge that that person has just because of the loyalty and the following that individual created because of how caring and detail oriented they were for all of their clients. There's so many advantages, but, but a lot of times sales managers look at a, at a person, they're like, you need to be fast out of the gate. You need to be dialing and smiling and, and networking with everybody. And if you're not doing that, you're not going to be successful. And so we have this mindset, as you said, of what, what we need to be doing to go out and have success. And, and it's sending the wrong signal. So thank you for setting that straight. Well, you know, it's it's my pleasure. And I, I will say that, you know, I think Susan Cain's work did amazingly well at helping people realize it's okay to be introverted. The problem was that everyone went into that poor me, I'm an introvert movement and let me survive. And you're right, so many people are the best in the business that, that are introverted. And it's not just sales, it's all of these extroverted arenas. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I spoke at the AAISP Leadership Summit, which is the American Association of Inside Sales Professionals. And when I spoke at their leadership retreat, which is when I was invited back to, to speak to a, a, a smaller group, still a large group of people, but a smaller group of the best of the best, the highest up in all of these big tech companies, the high end, you know, huge industries. And all the senior leaders came to this retreat. And I went, you know what, I'm just going to do a survey of these people to find out if they're introverted or extroverted. Now, I will say a surprising number of them were introverted, but we actually had to break through some barriers first because a lot of people did not know. And a lot of responses were, oh, I used to be introverted, but don't worry, I'm extroverted now. Like it was a bad thing. And so <laughs> for me, this baffled me because why is it? I mean, this isn't new stuff. Brian Tracy says that the top 10% of all sales performers globally have a planned presentation. The bottom 80% just say whatever comes out of their mouth. So I understand why extroverts would be at the top of that because they're used to winging things and introverts being at the bottom if they're not following a plan. But introverts are amazing at following a plan. And if they follow a plan, they can embrace their natural empathy, their natural active listening, and they excel. So firstly, let's define what introversion is, because I, I think that a lot of people have it confused and they think that it's something that's changeable. Introversion is just where you draw your energy from. So, you know, I just got back from a speaking tour and I know that for about two hours after a speaking event, that I need to have downtime and I need to block out time and give myself permission to just put on a hoodie and watch Netflix and recharge. I know that when I, I coach that I have to allow time afterwards where I can't do deep work. I can still do other things, but I can't do deep work and that's okay because for me to operate at my best, I need to understand my personality type. And this, all it is, is this, if I'm around people, it doesn't take as much energy now as it used to because there's no anxiety around it. There's no, stress around what I'm going to say because I've built systems, but it still takes energy from me. And that's okay. For an extrovert, it charges them up. And that's why sometimes if they're going to wait to do quiet work, then that takes energy from them. So 
Introversion is just where you draw your energy from. It doesn't mean you can't do certain things. And we've got to stop. And this is you know, why I founded National Introverts Week, because I just got so frustrated with people not having a dialogue that was incorrect. And you know, HR managers, if, if they're listening to this, you've got to stop disenfranchising your salespeople. Zig Ziglar, the most well-known sales trainer in the world, was an introvert. Ivan Meisner, I just said, was an introvert. You think introverts aren't great at small talk? Oprah Winfrey is an introvert. We've got to stop putting these people in boxes and saying that they're introverted, therefore they can't, because over and over again, we prove that that is not true. What it takes is senior leadership, a lot of times, taking responsibility for the for the people in their teams, no matter what department they're in, and saying, firstly, what is it you want to do? Because introverts shouldn't, well, they should get a choice, right? Just because they can sell doesn't mean they want to, they might want to be a writer. But other people are doing data entry or writing just because they think they can't sell, or they may not be starting their own businesses because they think that they can't. So as leaders, it's our job to inspire people that they can. And as individuals listening to this, you need to take responsibility for yourself. You know, I, I learned to sell by throwing, getting thrown out on Sydney Road and, and learning by doing, watching YouTube videos, teaching myself. And I, I mean, I didn't do it by choice. I lost my job and that was the only job I could get. I took responsibility and I lived in the world of what if. What if Gift of Gab wasn't a thing? What if it was a system? And then putting hard work behind that. So we all have responsibility in this problem. But the, the biggest factor is introverts believe that it's not possible for them and leadership agrees. And that is what we've got to break because introverts feel disenfranchised and the senior leadership feel like they're doing a favor for these introverts by putting them in jobs that don't get them to lean into what's not natural to them. But they could be amazing at it if they believed they could, leveraging a system that allows them to excel. Okay, so Matthew, you're speaking my language as an introvert. I totally agree with the definition. It's where you draw your energy from. Uh, I also agree that, as you just rightly pointed out, uh, as you were concluding your remarks there, that introverts are not only put in a box, but sometimes we ourselves, we put ourselves in these boxes that we feel comfortable in. And there are certain things that just historically naturally gave me a lot of anxiety sales and networking two of those things because i know they're an energy suck for me right if i'm doing sales if i'm doing networking that means i'm interacting with other people this takes energy away from me i know your second book is focused on this networking element so uh the second book in your introverts edge series so why do you think that so many of us introverts just shudder anytime we hear the word networking? Uh, <laughs> what's going on with us? Because it feels like used car sales. And I think that's the biggest hurdle for us is that, see, the what I talk about in the first chapter of the book, uh, which by the way, you don't need to buy the book to get access to this. You can download it at the introverts edge to networking.com. But what I talk about is how we kind of fell into networking. See, we all kind of lived in these little towns and then mass production became a thing. And all of a sudden we had the traveling salesperson and the, the traveling salesperson, it didn't matter if they were selling something that would change your life or snake oil, their job was to come in, close the deal and move to the next town and they wouldn't see you again. So it kind of gravitated to kind of that, 
I mean, I'm sure they were good people too, but that slimy salesperson that just took advantage and, or were manipulative to get a deal because they also didn't have time to come back because they were off to the next town. So what happened is as we started, thanks to the industrial age, as we started to move into big cities and these big cities meant that we could go networking and really not see that person again, as opposed to this community where we'd have to see them every day or at least once a week, that kind of net, that kind of salesmanship entered its way into the networking room. And you'll see this, and I will say there's a lot of extroverts that aren't comfortable with this either, but a lot of introverts, I mean, they they just shiver at the idea of having to go, do you want to buy from me? No, what about you? What about you? What about you? Not only is it exhausting, it's not authentic. And I think that's the biggest thing for us introverts. If we feel that we can't be authentic, then it really does drain our energy. If we feel like we're outwardly selling, it really does drain our energy. So, and also if we feel like we don't have a sense of who we're going to speak to, then also that energy doesn't lead to a positive result. Like we might walk into a room because we feel like we really need to get clients. And by the way, going to a networking room, looking for prospects is actually the wrong thing to do. And we can talk about that because I, I call, you know, prospects is actually what I call getting stuck in the hamster wheel. What you need to be looking for are momentum partners and champions that further your message out to the world. And again, if you're salesy, that won't, they won't do that. And then champions, people that champion your work and celebrate your work to give your work credibility, which pushes your prices up. But if you go into a networking room thinking that it's about sales without a plan and on top of that, feeling like you know you, you, your job is to lock in a deal, you're going to feel anxiety, you're going to feel stress. And if you don't go in planned, then of course, it's not going to lead to a positive result. You'll go in, you won't know what to say. You walk up to the first person you speak to, sorry, the first person you see, and naturally, they're going to end up selling you something and it's going to feel like they're, you know, they might, you might walk into somebody that's trying to sell you insurance. You're like, why did I do this networking thing anyway? Or you go into the networking room and you end up saying, well, I'm not going to do that. Do you want to buy from me? Do you want to buy from me? Do you want to buy from me thing? So instead you do what I call aimless networking. You have these shallow conversations where you don't promote yourself. You might even say horrible things like, oh, my day job is like, you're not that good at it. And we kind of downplay ourselves. And that leads to these shallow relationships where we exchange business cards. We say we're going to connect, but truthfully, as introverts, we don't even you know, have enough time or enough mental energy to catch up with a lot of the friends and family that we have. So of course, that just leads to a pile of business cards on the desk. So we say that networking doesn't work. Well, no, we're just doing it wrong. These days, firstly, if you don't know who your niche market is, or and, and that could be a niche employer, it could be a niche of I'm trying to further my career in this way, so I've got to go to these types of events. And then secondly, once you've decided that type of niche, then finding the right events, not just going to any networking event. And then these days, like meetup.com, so many places provide, I mean, even if it's just got a Facebook page or a LinkedIn page, there's always a photo and those people are always tagged that were at the last event. So you can connect with those people in advance, say, hey, I'm really passionate about this and I'm on a mission to do this. Would you suggest this networking event? So they say, yeah, sure, definitely come along. And the extroverts will put you under wing and they'll introduce you to everyone. And you've got a 50-50 chance, but that person's introverted too. And if they are introverted, they're going to see you and go, finally, somebody I recognize, let me talk to them. So you can make networking feel like a lot of pre-planned meetings. But then the issue is, well, what do you say? Well, firstly, you should be interested rather than being interesting first to the point where they're going, oh my gosh, Matthew, I've been speaking to you for 20 minutes. I haven't even asked you what it is that you do. And then you get the opportunity to explain on their invitation, which gives you a lot more time. Now, I never commoditize myself. Now, if you're a career professional or a business owner, you should never say, oh, I'm in digital marketing or I'm a business coach or I'm a ghostwriter. Because the moment they hear that, they're like, 
oh, I need that. How much do you cost? Or the alternative is, oh, uh, you know, we have got somebody working for us doing that, you know, conversation over. So I will use, and I call this a unified message, and you know, it doesn't matter what industry, I've seen this work amazingly well, because it's a hook, it leads people in. People need to classify us and put us into a box, but also how do you possibly identify, I mean, if I call myself a sales trainer or a marketing coach, how does that, I mean, yes, that's a skill set that I have, but it doesn't qualify the unique experiences that I've had, the unique past customers, all the education that I have, and my passion. So everybody needs to lean into their uniqueness. Now, don't get me wrong, people think, oh, no, I've got to fit this box so I'm employable. No, that's true, maybe in the lower levels of career, but in the higher levels, people want exceptional people that have uniqueness about them. You know, I've seen career professionals get over six figures extra in salary just because they've started to lean into their individuality. So once you have that, for instance, I say, I'm the rapid growth guy. And that then leads to a, what's that? Or, you know, an open dialogue. Now, most people in networking, it's horrible. You know, even the best networking scripts sound pitchy, right? Like, so I do this for this group of people, even if, i.e., I help people with sales and marketing. Um, sorry, I help small business owners with sales and marketing, even if they're terrible at sales. Now, that sounds like a pitch. It sounds contrived, and it's also hard to say it passionately without sound, sounding horrific. Like, oh, you know, I help small business owners with sales and marketing training, even if it's horrible. Where what I say when somebody asks me what exactly is that, I will say, well, one of the things I love to see more than anything in the world is an amazing introverted service provider with enough talent, skill, and belief in themselves to go and start a business of their own. But what I find is more often than not, I, they get stuck in this endless hamster wheel of struggling to find interested people, trying to set themselves apart, trying to make the sale, feeling like people only care about one thing, price. Do you know anyone like that? Now, of course they do, because I've gone to the right networking event, I've done the research, I know that they're an ideal person for me to be speaking to. And then I'll say, well, I'm on a mission to help these introverts realize that they're not second-class citizens, their path to success is just different to that of an extrovert. And they really can have a rapid growth business doing what they love, not by getting better at their functional skill, but by focusing on just three things outside the scope of their functional skill that really will allow them to obtain rapid growth. And then I might lead into a story. Now, the difference is, notice I haven't told you what I do yet because I haven't wanted to commoditize myself. I'll share that in the story, which continues to get people to lean in because they're interested. They've got to solve this puzzle. But secondly, none of it was I, 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 I. It was all what I love to see in the world, what I hate to see in the world, and the thing, the mission that I'm on, the change that I want to see. It's so, it's selfless instead of self-promotional. And it doesn't matter if you're a career professional or a business owner, if you lean into that, then all of a sudden people are like, wow. Firstly, they've never experienced that level of energy and passion because you can't do it in the common networking scripts. But then on top of that, even if they're not in your niche, they're like, how do I borrow that energy for what I do? But more often than not, they're thinking, hang on a second, I'd love to get them on my podcast. I'd love to introduce them to my network, or I believe in what this person is doing, so I wanna celebrate it. Maybe they'll endorse your books. Maybe they'll invite you to a, a group of high-level professionals that all introduce you, your work and then endorse your work. Again, if you can share your mission and passion with the world, then what happens is you end up with people sharing your message in front of ideal customers, through podcasts, through direct introductions, and people that celebrate it, which leads to career trajectory skyrocketing, as well as you know, rapid business growth. Love that. You know, I, uh, as you were talking about a networking event, a couple of thoughts came to mind. First of all, 
you know, if, if you are a, an introvert and, and you're feeling like, well, I've got to be extroverted, it's like signing your name with your non-dominant hand. It can come across really awkwardly at, at something that is already awkward, right? And I remember being at a networking event at the Foundation Room in Las Vegas, which is uh, owned by the House of Blues. It's on the top of the of the hotel. It looks out over all this, uh, the, the Las Vegas Strip. It's, a, it's an amazing place. And my friend was the was the uh, sponsor. And so she had an opportunity to speak and everyone's like, okay, well, the sponsor talks, we, we should stop talking and listen. And I remember I was talking with, this is ironic. I was actually talking, uh, Matthew and, and Christian to a friend, because even though I'm extrovert, you, you gra- I gravitate towards people that I'm comfortable with and having a conversation. We were talking about pulling instead of pushing, which is exactly what you were doing. How do we pull people in instead of, you know, pushing our, our commoditized services, right? And just as we were doing that, and just as the host started speaking, this gentleman in a gaudy out uh, suit came and handed me his card. Said, "If you ever need a a personal injury attorney, you know, here's my card." And I took the card to remember to never call that individual. But <laughs> so it, it's just it, it, exactly everything we don't want. And then at the same event, I was t- looking out over the balcony just admiring it. And there were uh, two ladies that were afraid to approach. And so one of the techniques is say something relevant, right? And what you were doing was talking about them, not just you, you know, this is what I, I, I am love to see in the world, people who want to start a business, so on and so forth, what you were saying. And I said, it, I promise it'll be okay. I'll make sure you don't fall, right? So there's something relevant. And then they came over and we started having a conversation, Matthew, that was just real. Hmm. Yeah. And people started joining in the conversation. And then and only then did we talk about, well, tell me about you. and What do you do? And and those were the people that I remember and that I wanted to connect with. You know, it's really interesting that you say that because, you know, I speak at a lot of global organizations and I talk about storytelling because, I mean, storytelling is essential, whether it's leadership, whether it's, you know, you wanting to inspire your team, whether it's to try and to attract the best talent. It surprises me that people don't use stories in interviews, whether it's, you know, trying to, you know, re-inspire your team after an IPO or a, you know, a, a bad year or some a new merger, or whether you're just trying to close more deals in shorter sales cycles and or, or marketing. I mean, storytelling is huge there as well. But one of the things that I do when I, I do this storytelling exercise is I talk about the fact that we have to break with the skill sets that have been serving us well up until now to introduce a new behavior. And I talk about the fact that while it can take work and nowhere near as much work as you think, because you know I am always uh, getting a person up and getting them to tell a story and I'm transforming it right there on stage so people can see the change within minutes because everybody thinks storytelling is an initiative that to introduce it across a whole organization takes months, years. And that's why when you're trying to steer the Titanic, you're like, that's too hard. Let's, let's find something else. But a lot of times when I do this exercise, I talk about, you know, and I put up this slide, which is, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, but it basically says, this is the comfort, uh, this is your comfort zone. And this is where the magic happens, right outside the comfort zone. And then I say, look, do me a favor, because I want to just uh, prove this theory for a second. I want you to put your hand, actually, you know what, stand up, I want you to stand up. If You, I mean, they're at this global conference, right? So people have traveled in from all over the world, sometimes thousands of people, sometimes hundreds of people. And I say, 
Okay, now do me a favor, stand up if you're sitting next to somebody that is in your department or somebody that you work with or know very, very well. And literally 99% of the room stands up. And I'm like, isn't that comfortable? Like this is a conference where we're trying to create a rapport and relationship with other people. And we're trying to create this teamwork that goes beyond organizational silos or goes beyond regional areas. And yet you're sticking to the people that you know. So I give everybody two minutes to change chairs and sit next to someone they've never met before. And while I'd like to think my content's amazing, people always say, you know, Matt, thank you for getting me to do that because I wasn't comfortable to sit next to somebody else, but you've pushed me to do it. Why is that the case? It makes no, it doesn't, it makes no sense to me. You know, I spoke at, uh, I spoke for Intel and, you know, after my uh, presentation, I was staying at the A-loft and I have to admit this introvert tends to call, um, you know, do room service after I eat, uh, sorry, after I speak, just because I want to have my own downtime. But at the A-loft, they don't do room service. So I reluctantly went downstairs to get something from the bar and somebody walked up to me that was at the event and just pulled me aside and said, hey, Matt, I just wanted to let you know, I really loved your presentation. And we spoke for about 30 minutes. And he said to me, he said, Matt, look, you know, I, 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 I'm sorry I'm talking your ear off now. You probably wanted to have some quiet time. It's just, you know, when I come to conferences like this, I don't feel like I know anybody well. So because of that, I don't really know what to say, but because I heard your presentation, I feel like I know who you are. So I just feel so comfortable. I went, I'm confused. I mean, this is Intel. This is an organization that they consider you a newbie if you've been there for less than 20 years. That made no sense to me. I'm like, did you not know who was coming? Is there not like a list of people? This is the, you know, this is the, the senior leadership conference. How do you not know who's coming? He said, no, there's, there's a list. Why do you ask? I said, because I would be looking up all of them and I would be deciding who I wanted to speak with while I was there. I would connect with them in advance. I would notice what they're posting about, what articles they're liking, and start to realize that they're, you know, what they're interested in. So I can connect with them in advance and say, I'm dying to speak to you. I hope we get a chance to run into each other. Why? Because I mean, if you think that half, almost half the population is introverted, go to Intel. Almost all of them are introverted. So of course, if they don't know anyone, they're going to come and speak to you. They're going to see your face and go, oh my gosh, a face that I know. And then if you know what to talk to them about, I mean, I, we got Dell to sponsor one of our conferences because I walked up to the guy and we were having a dialogue and he, I started, he asked me, you know, how I was going. I said, you know what? I'm great. I'm just really a little bit bummed that the weather outside is, you know, it's, it, it's so cold because I'm, I'm a runner. I love to de-stress by going for these long runs. And when it's cold, I can't go for these runs. But I knew because I'd seen his Instagram, which was public. So it wasn't like I was stalking him, but I knew he was super into Peloton. So I then stopped talking as he lectured me for the next 25 minutes about how amazing Peloton is and how it will change my life. And at the end, I said, oh, that's interesting. I'll have to check that out. But then he went, oh, but what, I've been talking for so long. What is it that you do? And then we got into a dialogue about what I actually wanted to discuss. Now, what you've got to understand is it doesn't matter whether you're going to a conference at an organization, whether you uh, you know, going to an external conference, they all have apps these days with all the attendees. So you can go, I call it, you know, profile shopping. I go profile shopping, work out who I want to speak to. So when I get to a conference, I've got a bunch of pre-planned meetings and my team gets them all slotted in my schedule that I can't fit everybody in. So then I'm setting up meetings for after the conference saying, oh, I'm sorry, I wish you got back to me sooner. I'm fully booked. I've got too many things going on. Why don't we catch up for a coffee later? 
And you did exactly that at the, at the uh, December conference. I mean, we were part of the same mastermind group and you were sending out emails to me. And I'm sure you did that with, with others. Just, hey, glad to meet you and, and preparing for the conference. So you practice what you preach. Absolutely. And I, I will tell you that for me, going to a networking event without having a preset series of appointments makes me feel uncomfortable. And yes, my profile is now where it is, but it wasn't always that way, right? When I got to America, I mean, I didn't know anybody outside my wife who's far more introverted than I am. And because of that, you know, she didn't want to go out and about. And so I had to start totally fresh. Less than a year later, I was invited to events as one of the most connected people in the city. But why was that? It was because I went to an event at the Capitol factory. I connected with a bunch of people beforehand. They checked out my profile. One of them was a guy called Tom Singer. And Tom Singer pulled me aside. He said, I don't want to catch up with you at the networking event. There's going to be too many people talking. Let's catch up with for coffee first. So then when I got to the event, we were having, I was having a dialogue with someone else. And Tom Singer walked up and said, oh, Matthew's terrific. You've got to get him to speak at your event. I didn't have to say a thing. Next thing I know, I'm speaking in front of 200 people and my brand exploded. And that was just one example. But if I had have gone there- Way to go, Tom, if you're listening. So Tom, I mean, Tom's a great friend of mine. I actually talk about him in my networking book because it's funny the mistakes we make when we try new things. So my number one rule in networking and sales and everything that I do is it's not about you, right? If you can make it about someone else, then you don't feel uncomfortable. And Tom, Tom pulled me aside after he saw my, one of my first presentations and he said, Matt, you've got something that you know, I, I'll never have, which is the fact that you've built you know, five multi-million dollar success stories, the credibility that you bring, you know, I'll never have, but here's the problem. I completely started to tune out about 15 minutes in because all you did was talk about your own personal story. I heard I like 46 times before I heard me. He said, if you were to grab your I story and bring it to two thirds of the way into your presentation and then introduce other people's stories first and then bring yourself down a peg through your personal story and then bring people back up with another story people will resonate with it a lot more and he was right i mean people resonated i got clients out of speaking i got paid to speak it, you know i was doing well but i wasn't exceptional as a speaker and i couldn't get people to connect as well as i would like and i was doing that because i was an introvert and i'm like well who am i to be standing in front of all these people telling them what i do yet this person that i met out of nowhere gives me this piece of advice that I was open to. And I then made a shift and that exploded my speaking career. So it's funny how my number one rule is it's not about you. Yet you break that rule without planning and preparation and without studying the art of it. So for introverts, I want you to know that you might be an amazing leader, but you may not be great at sales. If you wing it, you'll make mistakes. If you are great at sales, but you're not great at leadership. I mean, my story was I fell into sales because I lost my job just before Christmas. I mean, I had a reading speed of a sixth grade. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had a gap year and I took a safe job doing data entry. And the next thing I know, three weeks in, they're shutting down the office, I'm out of work. I teach myself how to sell watching YouTube videos. So literally eight hours a day out in the field, eight hours at home practicing every day, weekends, 16 hours a day practicing. Every day, I mean, it was 93 doors before my first sale, by the way. I mean, I got sworn at, I got told to get a real job. It was horrible. The next day though, after a little practice, it was about 83. Then it was, you know, 61, then it was 21, then it was 12, then it was down to three. Six weeks in, my manager pulls me aside and he said, Matt, we're kind of blown away by this, but you're the number one salesperson in the company. 
And I mean, this was the largest sales and marketing company in the Southern Hemisphere. And they were blown away because I was the quiet guy that didn't talk to anyone. I handed my paperwork in downstairs. I came upstairs and heard all the boisterous people talking about how they locked in that deal or how the market's getting harder. So they said, clearly you're amazing at sales. You'd make an amazing manager. I don't know why people think that. It's the most ridiculous thing in the world. And now when I, you'll laugh at this, but when I lost my job, I pulled out the classifieds and there were only three jobs listed because I lost my job just before Christmas. And I mean, Australia, we take holidays from the 20th of December to the 15th or 20th of January. So no one's hiring. It's summer and Christmas at the same time. These three jobs were all commission-only sales, which for this introverted person that was scared to talk to his own friends, let alone anyone else, super uncomfortable. But I applied for all three jobs and I got all three interviews. And then I got three job offers. And I'm like, maybe they see something in me that I don't see in myself. Well, when I got there, they were like, Matt, we just hire everyone. We've got this saying, we throw mud up against the wall. We see what sticks. <laughs> Fun saying until you're the mud. So when I got offered this management job, I'm like, I've got no idea how to manage. They're like, no worries. We just throw them up against the wall. Somebody will stick. All 20 people in my training group quit within the space of 24 hours. But I went back to YouTube. Surprising how many people buy programs before they check out YouTube. It's why I put so much in there to repay the favor. But I went back to YouTube and I learned to manage. And what I realized is that my lack of confidence was making me a bad manager. My lack of structure which is what I learned. I learned to structure a sale and not make it about me. But my lack of structure meant that my lack of confidence was showing and I was making it more about me, which led people to not want to follow me. And my lack of confidence, it's funny how many times you go into something new and you fail again and you fail again. Like for me, when I went into speaking, Tom Singer had to pull me aside and say, hey, Matt, you're making it about you. And it was my lack of confidence that was causing that same problem. And what was really interesting is the moment someone mentioned it, I went, idiot, I've done it again. And then I changed it and it was so obvious, yet it didn't occur to me. And that's why sometimes these peer groups like you were talking about are so important. And sometimes having, and I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in organizations. And if you're a CEO or a HR manager and you're listening to this and you do not have a group dedicated to inspiring introverts to be successful, firstly, by the way, help them realize they are introverted and don't do it to discriminate against them. The number of people that do you know, employment you know, tests to work out who their introverts are so they never promote them again. Firstly, you have to work out who they are by making them realize, A, it's a good thing. And sorry, it's not a good, it's not a good or a bad thing. It's just a personality type. And secondly, that introverts and extroverts have skills gaps, not, not barriers that they can't cross, right? Extroverts can learn to listen and empathize. Yeah, introverts can learn, think, you know, how to sell a network. The problem is that, and the reason why I'm so much more on the introverted side is HR managers know that about the extroverts. They believe that introverts can't, and that's what we've got to break. Yeah, no, that, then, is, that is a fallacy, a hundred percent fallacy. Oh, I, it, it drives me nuts that HR managers do this. But if you don't, firstly, help people realize that it's a personality type, not a skills gap, and educate your leaders not to discriminate, and then get people to self-identify and then create a group. Because there's always an amazing introverted salesperson that will inspire your entire sales team. People hire me because no one's going to listen to a sales trainer or the introverts aren't, especially in tech industries, an extrovert telling them it's easy, you just do this. They won't listen. They'll listen to me because I'm introverted. Yet, half the people from stage that are telling you it's easy to do this are introverted, they just don't say it. And then worse, there's somebody in their organization that's killing it in sales, in leadership, in networking, but because they're scared to mention it because they don't want to kill their career, they're not inspiring other people that they can too. Yeah. I'm actually teaching my HR, because I, I do a lot of behavioral assessments in hiring to teach them to 
you, you cannot use this to discriminate. You, you have to understand what what the strengths are and what they're bringing, and and they're just different. So I I, I know I've been monopolizing Christian. You got questions? Well, yeah, I actually want to come back to uh, something Spencer has mentioned to me before. I've heard him talk about this before, which is uh, if you're a golfer, you need to learn to be competent with all of the clubs in your bag. You can't just be the guy that hits the driver all the time. And uh, and that applies, I think, for extroverts, but also introverts as well. And continuing this discussion as an introvert myself, there may be certain clubs that I'm reticent to use because I'm weak with them. I'm really impressed with your drive and determination to skill yourself up in areas that were weak. And I wonder where that's coming from. Like, because a lot of us introverts, we just say, we will just accept the fact, we'll just roll over because that's what, you know, that's easy. I just roll over and say, well, you know, I am the way that I am and life is the way that it is. And, and that's that. But you somehow plowed through that. And so I'm curious uh, in your own personal journey, what did you find uh, yourself doing that the rest of us could apply what would you recommend that us introverts do differently to break through some of these barriers whether they're imposed by others or self-imposed so that's a great question uh so there are a couple of things that you highlighted there so firstly you talked about all the diff you know all the different drivers and you know for a lot of leaders listening there might be extroverts that are listening and they're like well i can't get my introverted teammates to speak up they always have such great ideas but in the meetings they never bring it up as a matter of fact they always bring up what we talked about in the meeting yesterday and now they're telling me what we should do but i've already implemented the agreement that we had in the meeting and now i know it's always a lesser idea so why doesn't sarah or johnny speak up in the meeting and the answer is because you didn't tell them what the agenda was and you didn't say that you were going to be asking an open question. So if you did a little planning and preparation for your meeting and sent it out in advance and say, hey, Sarah and Johnny, I'm hoping you can really add a little bit of energy to this or I'm going to be opening, asking an open question, then Sarah and Johnny can reflect and then provide an answer. And, you know, what's really interesting is we were talking about the, the CSP conference that we all uh, we all attended and there was uh, one you know, piece of, of um, one question where I had a lot to add. And that's why we were talking about the fact that, you know, everyone else needs a turn. And I'm like, this is where I've got domain expertise. But then the next question that came up, I didn't have domain expertise. And everyone was contributing and I was quiet. And I got asked afterwards, I hope like, we didn't offend you by telling you that other people needed to speak in that part. Um, and I said, no, I just had nothing to add. I don't know why people constantly talk when they've got nothing to add or they can see somebody else has a much higher level of domain expertise. Here, I had nothing to add or nothing that was a higher level add than what somebody else in the room could have offered. So it is so important to realize that introverts and extroverts have to lean into their strengths and other people around need to understand that when somebody's not talking, it may be because they're not, they've got nothing to say, not that they're upset, but also, they may have nothing to say because you didn't do planning beforehand to let them know that this topic was coming up. They may have had something to do uh, to say, and they may have done a ton of research to add a huge amount of value to that conversation, but they didn't because you didn't give them the ability to really shine in the way that they are born to. Now let's talk about the different, the different clubs because you're right, I am constantly pushing myself into different spheres. And the reason for that is because 
I mean, nothing ever came easy for me. I mean, yeah, I had a reading speed of a sixth grader in late high school. I was super introverted. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. In a lot of my presentations, I put up this horrible photo of me with bad acne. And I talk about my color lenses, which, you know, I got diagnosed with Erlen syndrome in late high school, which miraculously meant I could learn to read. But it didn't mean I could read like everyone else. I could start the process of learning to read. So basically, here I am feeling like the slow kid my whole life, acne, braces, funny colored lenses. I didn't exactly have a lot of confidence, but also the world didn't work for me the way that it worked for everybody else. So because of that, I always had to push myself out of the, my comfort zone and say, this is the way it works for everyone else. That's not going to work for me. I have to find my own way. And what I've realized is that the things, the clubs that I don't know how to use, what I find is I'm actually better at using those clubs than some of the clubs that I'm given naturally. But what pushes us? I mean, let's face it. We kind of live in this world and, you know, I'm assuming there's a very diverse audience here, but if you're in a first world country, life's not that tough. We've got running water, we've got electricity, we've got our technology, which is, you know, is definitely an enabler for some of us. It's a total distraction for others, but life's not that hard. We all, a lot of us don't struggle for food to eat and we might be in a career where we don't feel like we're tapping into the top end of the Maslow hierarchy of needs, but we're definitely tapping into the bottom ones, which means we're just not that motivated. The thing that I have found is I only feel that I, I, I only enjoy learning new skills because I take it as something exciting, as a challenge. I'm looking to experiment. If I see it as something that I'm not good at and that I'm going to find it difficult, then I'm not going to do those skills. So I have to live in this, you know, I, I mean, Henry Ford says it best. If you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. I lead into, I know that I can. Not think I can, I know that I can in which case I'm then looking for the competencies. I don't have this gift of gab barrier. Now I think, and you know, I talk about storytelling a lot and I talk about you know, the science behind why it's so powerful and the fact that it activates the reticular activating system of our brain, which creates artificial rapport, which we introverts are able to turn into real rapport, which is great. I talk about the fact that people remember up to 22 times more information when embedded into a story. So it's amazing for a leadership tool, for a recruitment tool, for a sales tool. But here's the one that really gets me. It's short, when you tell a story, it short circuits the logical mind and speaks directly to the emotional mind. So if you're in sales, take storytelling with a duty of care. Don't sell a product you don't believe in or that doesn't deliver great results. But what happens is I also warn people about the fact that when you tell a story, it short circuits the logical mind and it speaks directly to the emotional mind, which if you tell yourself stories, it does that too. It's dangerous. When you talk about negative self-talk, right? We tell ourselves 16,000, sorry, 1,600 to 60,000 things a day. Now, I know that sounds hard to believe, but we do most of that at an unconscious level, right? We can talk to ourselves at the speed of a presidential address, a 60-minute presidential address in around a minute. Think about if you're telling yourself negative stories and negative things, how detrimental that is to your belief and your motivation. Like if you aren't going to, you know you're not going to place or even finish a marathon, how much effort are you going to put into changing it? If you think you're going to win the marathon, do you think that you're going to enjoy the training? Of course you are. So what we have to do is we have to stop telling ourselves these, these things. I mean, people tell themselves these why I can't stories over and over again before they've even validated whether they're true. And because you're telling them it as a story, your logical brain doesn't even kick in. Your emotional brain knows it to be true and it doesn't validate it. So when you see yourself or hear yourself telling yourself these things, know that even if you're only consciously aware of some of them, 
that you're unconsciously telling yourself so much more and it's catastrophic to your ability to ascend to a higher income and a higher level of happiness. Because what happens, we tell ourselves we're not great at networking, but then we go and then we beat ourselves up later, as opposed to seeing it as a system, leaning into that system and then using our reflective nature to instead of beating us up, look for one continuous improvement opportunity over and over again. So my suggestion is this, most people assume that they can't or they tell and they tell themselves a story before that they even try. So when I get asked, like, why is it that I didn't just quit my job, uh, you know, quit that, you know, door to door job? Why didn't I just accept like everybody else did? It's simple. I took responsibility for my own situation. The world hadn't worked for me in any way, shape or form. So I had an edge over everyone that is listening that had it come easy to them, because then the first time you hit hardship, you just go, oh, too hard, let's run away. Don't do that. Take responsibility, live in what if thinking, and then do the work. And then you'll find that you'll actually be better. Like I say, introverts outsell extroverts for this main reason. It's not that extroverts can't learn sales systems. And you know, a lot of Intra, a lot of extroverts actually leverage my networking system because they feel uncomfortable promoting themselves when they move into their own businesses. Here's the problem though, extroverts love winging things. So they're more likely to go back to winging things and they have to be willing to take a small step back to catapult forward. We introverts, we're terrible at sales, we're terrible at networking, but when leveraging a system, we have a superpower and we hold onto it for dear life. So we fly forward. It's because we're using a system and methodology, a methodology that we have to be willing to a believe that we can be willing to put good and hard work behind it and be willing to go into it with a mindset of experimentation. And we can do that if we believe that we can, but if we feel like we're not even going to be able to get finish the marathon, why would we try? And life's comfortable, isn't it? So great, so, so many great thoughts. You know, I just want to emphasize one thing that you said, and all of us can fall victim to this. Well, I'm not good at names, especially when it comes to, you know, networking, right? Well, as soon as you say that, the I can't that, that you were talking about, you've given yourself an excuse to give up, to not deal with the the, the challenge or the the uncomfortable, the awkwardness that you were talking about to run away. Well, I'm an, I'm an introvert or I'm an extrovert. This is just the way I am. And so you are making an excuse for staying where you are at and not getting uncomfortable where the magic is. And so when, when you say those types of, of things, it is, uh, it is very disempowering. So then you brought in, well, so what if, well, what if I could remember names, what would I be doing differently? Well, how can I do that? And then you start to be thinking productively. So asking those types of questions is so, so, so powerful. Uh, Christian, I know we're running short on, on time. Christian, you got more thoughts? We oh, we're up, up against that. We so could have much. this conversation for hours. Uh, I've been taking notes while the camera's been spotlighted on you. I've learned a lot today here. I'm sure that that is just the tip of the iceberg uh, for everything that people could learn from you, Matthew. And uh, we're honored to have you join our our show today. I'm so grateful that you came and have shared so much knowledge with, with us in such a short period of time. If, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing to help us introverts and how we can be helped by you uh, and to also help those who are in leadership positions uh, who, who may 
need to rethink their policies and and their processes about how to deal with us uh, really interesting, amazing people. Uh, what's the best way for, for people to reach out and uh, get in touch with you? Yeah, I appreciate that. And I will say one, one piece of final advice is that if you're an introvert watching this or a, a leader that's looking to do things uh, differently in your organization, I really recommend you finding one mount, mountain to charge up first, right? So I see a lot of people and actually what it's what I call busy procrastination. We say, we're going to learn how to sell as an introvert, network as an introvert, lead as an introvert. We're trying to do it all. We'll consume all these books and then we'll do nothing because it's overwhelming. So what I've been able to do, and my team calls this going down the rabbit hole. I, I go dark for like a day or two because I read as much as I can on the topic, but then I make a decision and I take action. And a lot of people, what they do is they consume information on lots of topics and then they take no action. The other thing I call busy procrastination is where they say, oh, I'm going to learn sales. So I'll read this book and then this book and then this book and then I'll pull it all together and I'll be the best in the world. Well, no, just find a person that you resonate with, follow their system and get the basic elements together. And that'll put you miles ahead. Add the, worry about the bells and whistles later. You know, sales, networking, public speaking, it's not like mixed martial arts. You don't get better by learning all the skills at once, right? What you want to be doing is focusing on the basics and really making sure that you get out of busy procrastination, right? Consume as much information as you need to start taking action and start to see and reflect on what's happening so that you can then improve the process. But get the get the vehicle if you like if we're thinking from a manufacturing mindset get the car off the line and then start you know we talked about henry ford before right he had a saying if you can have any color car you want as long as it's black right because he didn't want to focus on that he wanted to focus on mass production first and that's the mindset you need to take into all of this so where can you find out more about me and how to how can you learn more about the topic well the introverts edge podcast is a great way to start there's a lot of content you have some amazing senior leaders in there talking about their introverted natures and how they've been able to excel as leaders and how, what they've done in their organizations to help their staff do the same so that's a great opportunity for people um obviously my publisher hates me when i say this but you do not need to buy my books if if you want to uh, look at how you can succeed in sales go to the introvertsedge.com download the first chapter I'll, I'll show you that you can excel as an introverted sales professional or a business owner and i'll even, I even map out the seven steps if you do nothing more than look at what you currently say and fit it in there, you'll quickly realize some things don't fit. Throw it out, you shouldn't be saying it to customers. You'll realize that there's some things out of order, which is probably why you end up talking about price real soon or why the conversations get really tense really quickly. And then you'll realize there's some gaping holes, usually around telling great stories, asking great questions, the right questions. Fix those, you'll double your sales in the next 60 days. So you can get that at theintrovertsedge.com. And I do the same thing for networking at the introverts edge, uh, introvertsedge2networking.com. I have a ton of content on LinkedIn, a ton of content on YouTube. I put a ton of free stuff out there. Just start the journey and you'll find you get miles in front as long as you believe that you can. Oh, I'm gonna hop over to theintroversedge.com right after this thing is done. Uh, so I, I'm super excited about this. Spencer, uh, you do amazing work with organizations across the globe, uh, helping them develop high-performing teams. What's the best way for them to reach out uh, and contact you? Just reach out to me on LinkedIn, Christian. Thank you so much. And, and I'll be getting the, the Introvert's Edge. So your publisher will be at least get one more book sold. <laughs> 75,001. Christian. And two for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, I, you know, I, Matt, Matthew, you and I had time to meet together. And I'm sorry we didn't have more time to introduce my, my amazing co-host. Uh, co he is such a, a joy to work with. He is 
you know, everything that I'm not. And I admire him so much. And he does so much, works with major organizations all around the globe and helping them. You know, he's working right now on the uh, the Salt Lake Olympic uh, bid for the Winter Olympics here in Salt Lake City, which uh, looks like will happen. But his expertise is sought after by major organizations. So how can people find you, Christian? Hey, you know, head on to LinkedIn. Thank you for the very kind words there, Spencer. Just look for Christian Napier on LinkedIn. You'll find me there and happy to connect with anyone. Listeners, viewers, thank you so much for joining us today. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again soon.